Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to She Can Talk podcast hosted by yours truly, Colleen, aka Gongoli or Gonga, simply if you want to call me that. Happy that we have made it through yet another week. And first, let me start off by saying thank you all so much for tuning into episode one and showing me so much love. I really do appreciate that. Oh my goodness. I did not expect that. I did not expect the positive feedback. I really was just like trying a thing and you guys showed me so much love. I was so excited. Like, oh my God, I'm ready to do episode two. So here we are. Um, I was thinking, what did I want to talk about for episode two? And I said, you know, I'm still trying to keep it light because I'm not really sure of like the format of what I, of what I want to do. Like, am I going to play more music? Am I going to play more, you know, um, show clips? I don't know. So we're going to start this with a show. <clears throat> this week, excuse me. So on HBO, there's a show called Lovecraft Country. I have been watching this show since it premiered. Really what piqued my interest is two things. It's created by Jordan Peele. And, oh, he's the executive producer, I believe. And the graphics of it, like the color, like the themes. I don't know if they were like time traveling, look like it was aliens and just a commercial. So I was like, okay, mental note, Especially I'm home. 2020 has me working from home, doing everything basically in the house so I can get to stream a lot lately. All right. So I'm checking out, you know, I'm going to check it out when it premieres. The first episode did not disappoint out the gate. I have to be honest with you. So let me give you a little premise. Okay. FYI, people call me spoiler alert. So sorry in advance, (laughs) but The episode has, I mean, the series, excuse me, the series or whatever has not like ended the season. So it's like mid season right now. So if you play like catch up and like do a binge real quick, you can catch up real quick and still be like right where I'm at because it's not like it's over or whatever. And honestly, I'm going to be giving some of my personal predictions. I didn't read the book because I know this, this is based on a book. I did not read it. Um, what, what else I was going to say? I, I have like no background on the show, just me watching it and it's so good. And I'm so involved. (laughs) You can ask like my boyfriend, he's over here. Like, Oh my God, we're watching this again. I'm going to go to the room because I watch it like again and again, like, wait a minute. I feel like I missed something because you literally have to watch it a few times because you will feel like you missed something. And every time I watch it, I swear to you, I catch something different. Like, Oh my God, I didn't realize that. And so they're about five or six episodes in right now. And so I'm going to give you like a little quick recap on what I come to the conclusion of or what I've, you know, watched and learned so far. And then I'm going to give you like some predictions of mine of like what I think is going to happen. I might be wrong. So what we can do is like after the season is over, if you guys are out there watching it, or if you decide to watch it based on what I'm talking about this evening, at the end of the season, we can reconvene and maybe I'll do like a comparison and contrast, like, you know, what I predicted versus what really happened and to see if I had any of them right. So I think I might do something like that. I don't know, but let me go into it. Excuse me. I'm like in this chair. It's like, I got a new chair in here and it's kind of stiff, you know, like the other chair, you kind of like break it in. So if I see them a little like moving around, that's what it is. You know, I told you I ramble, but anyway, so the episode, or excuse me, the series is about, is really centered around three people, in my opinion, but the main protagonist is a person or a guy named Atticus Freeman. He's like about 22, 23 years old. He's a military vet, just came home from like the war, and he doesn't have a good relationship with his dad, but he's more so like a loner, and he moved to Florida, ironically, and his family is from Chicago. 
So something happened to his dad. He got a letter and he was like, he has to go back to Chicago to find out what's going on with his dad. So in the process of this now, he gets home to Chicago. He sees his aunt and his uncle and his little cousin. So his uncle is George. His aunt is Hippolyta. And his um, the niece is D. I think it's Diane, but they call her D. And she reminds me of D like this, I guess because it's a time frame, but she reminds me of D from what's happening now. Like she doesn't really like look like her, but the clothes and the way like they like dress her, it reminds me of like that era of type of little girl. Like she's so cute to me. D from what's happening now, as well as D on Lovecraft country. But long story short, getting back to the subject. So Atticus, who they call Tick for short, gets back to Chicago. He links up with his uncle and his aunt. He's like, hey, I can't find my dad. I'm here to look for my dad, blah, blah, blah. So the uncle's like, all right, bet. That's my brother. So I'm going to go with you to find my brother. So they set out on their journey. In the midst of all of that, I'm really giving you the breakdown because there's a lot of more stuff, but I'm going to skip around a little bit. So the dad, I'm excuse me, Tick and his uncle, George, sets out to go look for his dad. In the process, one of his high school friends, which was like maybe like an old crush or I don't really know like their history from this point prior, but they were clearly friends in high school or whatever. And her name is Letitia, but they call her Letty. So she's not really on good terms with her brother and her sister. So she's like looking for a place to stay type of thing. The sister kicked her out. So now she was like, I need a ride to my brother's house. So she ends up getting a ride with Tick and his uncle George and they set out to go to I believe it's Boston which is so weird because that's the thing about the show is like they start out in one city then you end up in another city like how did you get to that fast in 1952 but anyway so it goes from like um Chicago to Boston to look for the missing father so along the way they come across places like sundown towns which is like small towns in between where, you know, as a black person back in those days, if you were caught there at the sundown, they would more than likely kill you, like lynch you, whole lynch mobs coming out. It's like Saturday night showdown is an event for these people. So that's what was um, the towns and some of the stuff they had to drive through to get to where they was going, which is to Boston. Along the way, the um, uncle, I don't want to give the whole story because that's like just the first episode. I'm just trying to give you a roundabout. But along the way, they like run into like some people in the sundown town. They try to like catch them and keep them. There's like set 6:59, and it's like by seven o'clock we have all rights to kill you guys. Blah blah blah. The police is like chasing them down, and then they make it out. So in the midst of them making it out, he sees this you know blonde girl, and she kind of helped them escape from the police. And he's like, she looks familiar, but I don't know her. So let's leave. So it's just weird. Like he has like weird energies with people. Like these people know him or whatever, but the whole vibe you get from Tick is like, he's a good guy. Like you don't really get nothing like he's villainous or anything yet. Anyway, I would say. So long story short, bringing it back, they went through like a whole bunch of stuff. I'm talking about like after the police, actually I stand corrected. The police did catch up with them after seven and they took them into the woods and they were basically going to execute them and, you know, make it look like, oh, the niggers, whatever. And so um, in the midst of all of that happening, but them pleading for their life with the police, some like, I don't know what you want to call them. I don't know how to describe them, like gargoyle, werewolf, monsters 
came out of nowhere and just started fucking everybody up. <laughs> Excuse my language, but there's no other way to describe it. So, you know, Tick and Letty and the uncle was able to like make it to like a cabin in the woods. And then one of the police officers, excuse me, two of the police officers made it in there with them. One of them was like injured from one of the animals. So he started turning like a werewolf. Like, you know, if you get bit like by a vampire or something, you start turning. So he started turning to one of the animals and it was crazy. So Letty ran back out, got the car. They was able to escape. And then they was able to escape and then finally make it to this mansion where their dad was supposed to be held up, the dad. So when he get there, the man's like, oh, Tick, welcome. We've been waiting for you. Welcome home. And he, they're like, welcome home. Like, we, you know, pl- you know, black people from the south side of Chicago, we don't know nothing about this. White man opened it all talking about welcome home. Long story short, that was the end of that first episode. Goes into the second episode. They kind of find out he has like a... um lineage to this man that owns like owned slaves back in the days and he might have like slept with a slave and he's like the lineage of it he's like one of the last bloodlines and they're ironically people that do like witchcraft and some old crazy stuff and they needed his blood to do it so i don't know you really have to watch it because that's the point that um i really want you to do it like i kind of want you to watch it because it's so crazy so i feel like i'd be like rambling and honestly i can't even lie i see a lot of people on youtube talking about it and i do watch their their commentary on it it's interesting so i don't really want to go into like episode by episode i'm really trying to give you a a rundown in one kind of like episode about it and i want to like do a follow-up maybe in a couple of weeks when it's over and then see if my predictions was right so that's really what i'm trying to do this evening all right, so, but by episode two, so that was episode one, wow, out the gate. So you're like, what? That was just the first episode? It seemed like a whole movie. <laughs> what else was going to happen after that? So then episode two is like, they're at the mansion. They're playing the Jeffersons music, like, where we're moving on now. But you see, like, the um girl, Letty, she's in a room full of clothes, and they just have her looking so, like, um for the time like if it's the 50s she looks so like the makeup the hair this the clothes it was perfect for the time so she's in there like trying on all these clothes dancing around the room like yes everything's in my size it was like a good day the uncle is like a very intelligent man he loves to read he like makes a travel guy he's an editor he's very influential in the black community with like as far as telling people where to go eat where's a safe place to travel to and hotels to stay at etc so he publishes like a guide for that so in addition to that he loves to read and he has like tons of books so his room was full with all of his favorite books and he's reading them he's laying in the bed like he's like oh my god he's like a rich royal bed plush robe he's just like everyone's relaxing then you get to tick's room and tick is sitting there and he's just seeing in his mind everything that happened the night before which was like the gargoyles and fighting the sundown town cops and then the cops getting killed by the monsters and the monsters like getting called off and then them being able to escape and they didn't make it here and he just didn't sleep all night he's just been thinking about that you can see it's on his face so they finally wake up they leave out their rooms to go to breakfast and Letty's all dressed like, you know, she's about to ride a horse or something. Like, she's about to play a polo game. She looks, like, so decked out. And it's like, she's taking it all in. Like, I'm in the mansion. I'm going to wear the outfit. I'm going to go play polo. Like, you know, the uncle comes out. He's regular. Um, Tick comes out of his room. He's regular. 
And um, they were like excited to be there, the uncle and Letty. Tick is like, you know, still looking at them questionable, but he was like, yeah, you know, he was like, what's in your room? Because in our room, we had this, that, and another. And he was like, there's nothing in my room. It's just a room. So the guy comes down and he's like, oh, welcome. We're going to have breakfast. And he kind of like gives him a tour around and he like, you know, takes him out to the veranda. They have breakfast. So Letty's just like taking it all in. She's eating. She's like ringing the bell for the butler. Like she needs, you know, salt and all this other stuff. And, um, Tick is just on the edge. Like, what the hell are y'all doing? Why are y'all so relaxed and happy to be here? Do you not remember what happened last night? Like, yo, we just went through some crazy shit and y'all just chilling like nothing happened. The uncle's like, what are you talking about? I don't remember. Lady's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What happened? I know we had to go through the sundown towns, but that's all I remember. Like, we made it out. And she, he was like, see, I don't remember the monsters. You don't remember the captain in the woods. You don't remember the police officer getting bit. You don't get me shooting the police officer. You don't remember none of that. And so they were like, no. And so he was like, that's crazy. So anyway, he's like, nah, we got to get out of here. So he's like, the whole episode is like them trying to find a father because they feel like the father's on the property. But the weird thing, which... Okay, this is where one of my first predictions come in. The weird thing is, this whole grounds was like a big castle. For the most part, the castle was empty, except for like the dad who was like some sorcerer. And he was like down in the basement doing weird sorcery shit. And then it was the daughter, Christina. And then it was like Christina's friend, William. Those are the only three people you've really seen in the mansion, in addition to um, Letty. Uncle George and Tick, except for when they had their weird freak show night and then they had their guest over. But the guest that came over was like really elite, really rich, you know, top of the line, paying for freak show shit type of people. Whereas um, the people that lived, it was like a town on the grounds of the mansion. And it looked like a whole a old Amish town, like, like something you would find driving through Pennsylvania, you know? And it was like, they lived olden day style but then again this is the 50s but they lived like it was 1850 this town and it had children running around it had a school it had like people and houses and everything and so I thought that was weird so my prediction is I think those animals that are in the woods are actually the people that live in that town so during daytime I think they're regular people and then at nighttime when like whenever they're like trying to set out to fight whoever or do whatever they turn those people into animals to protect the grounds that was my opinion on that so that was one of my predictions because it just happened and it just went away like oh yeah I turned people like they ha- have werewolves and I call them off with a whistle and then it just went away they never like went back to it so that's one of my things because it was like you saw all these crazy werewolves in episode one like attacking ticking them in the woods like you know chasing them down and everything and it was a lot of them then a bell rang like a little whistle and when the whistle when they heard the whistle they just went away and they was able to leave and get to, you know, to finish the rest of their journey to Boston. So I was like, that's weird. Someone's controlling those animals, first and foremost. We found out who was controlling the animals in episode two, which was Christina, who was the daughter of the sorcerer. Because she, they was walking through the woods, like they went through the town, and he's looking for his dad. They come to like this big water tower, like all, this is like an old water tower. And it's like this weird 
misery looking lady out front she got like two dogs and she just looks like she tortures people for a living and she was torturing someone as we speak type of thing and she was like guarding the tower and they walk up and they're like oh yeah you know we're looking for you know what's in the tower like why is that the jail blah 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 and they was like why do you think it's a jail and he was like well because it's the only place in you know built like this in the town so we figured like that must be the jail you know, and so the lady was like, oh, you know, this is where we keep the food, blah, 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 because the bears try to get to it. And we can't, we hate the blacks. But she was referring to the black bears, but she said it like, we just hate the blacks. The blacks always come and ravage the food and take our food. So, you know, we have to make sure we can secure it from the bears. So you got to, you know, like, I'm, I'm just kind of paraphrasing. I wasn't like verbatim, but she said something to that effect that it was like, you knew she was talking about black bears, but the way she said it, she was like the blacks, you know, and they looked at her like, mm, okay. So they walked away or whatever like that. The dogs was like all ferocious that she was like holding them in one hand, crazy lady. And she was blowing the whistle. It was the same whistle that they heard in the woods when the animals was trying to get them and then the animals immediately were called off. So I said, hi. And so even Tick was like, you control the whistle. What's that whistle for? He was like trying to, you know, find out what the whistle's for. And she was like, you need to put him on a leash. Like I'm talking about, she was real racist, this lady. It was crazy. And so um, they didn't get no information out of her, long story short. And so they left, but they come to the conclusion, like my father is trapped in that tower because that's the only place on the grounds where it's like a jail. It's like a, someone's being kept there. And then why is she standing out front with two dogs? Like why, you know, so they've come to the conclusion that, their dad must, his dad must be held captive there. So later on, now in the evening, they go back for dinner and they realize that um, he's really trying to use him for like some, you know, sacrifice or whatever. But oh, so actually when they get back, she tells him what it is, like his lineage and what his purpose of being there is for. And if they help the dad out, he can get to like the Garden of Eden and the Sons of Adam, all this other stuff. And so, you know, like he, he could fulfill some prophecy, the father, by using the true bloodline from Titus Braitwood, which is like the creator of the sorcery and the magic. And he was like close to God. Like if basically he had like God on speed dial or FaceTime type of thing, you know, like and he made it, he wrote out all the rituals and, and people were able to transcribe certain parts of his book and they have powers, those people. But what the whole pursuit is, is to get all pages of the book and then become 100% powerful. So if you kind of equate that to like, and here I go rambling, but if you kind of equate that to like Thanos, where he needed to collect all the rings to like make the one snap and knock out the world, well, is that type of thing. Whoever can control and get all these pages and then get them translated because they're in different languages and it get be able to like decipher them they will be powerful because people who decipher just paragraphs were able to wield power so I was like that's crazy so that's dope and so she kind of told him all this stuff and he was like yeah whatever I know that I have lineage you know I'm gonna do what I could do so he ends up going to dinner with his uncle and it's like this big elite dinner they're the only two black men there and you can just tell us like I don't know like I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I'm not going to say it, but you know how they always talk about those Illuminati stuff on YouTube? Like, I would assume, like, this is what one of their meetings would look like or one of their dinner parties because it was, like, those type of um, gentlemen in the room looking like they was ready for their nightly ritual, <laughs> you know? So, um, he this dude, like, cut his spleen out or dug his spleen out and was serving it for dinner. Gross. The dad, the sorcerer dad that was, like, trying to use Tick 
to do this time portal thing or whatever. So anyway, the uncle ended up finding a secret passage before dinner to see that, you know, it went to a library where it gave him a manual to show him the rules and regulations, the rules, regulations, and bylaws of the um, Sons of Adam, which is the group of men that Titus's great, great, great grandfather established. And all these men are trying to get power from or get the pages to get the power. So some of the rules and bylaws says, hey, that it doesn't matter who they are. If they have a 100% bloodline direct connection to the creator sorcerer, Titus Braithwood, they can overpower and like override anyone else's rules or regulations or power or authority. So when uncle read that, he told the nephew, when we go to dinner, basically, you're going to break that shit up. And that was a powerful scene. So, and I'm really just giving you the storyline just to kind of break it down because I have to go back and tell you about some things that touched me throughout the episodes and throughout the whole, what resonated. But that was a powerful scene for so many reasons to me because they was at dinner. They walked in like, um, William, which is, I told you, Christina's friend, quote unquote, I wish you could see me right now. I'm doing air quotes, friend, but he walked them in and, um, sat them down and he was like, Hey, don't let no one let you feel like you don't belong here. You belong here. That's what William said to um, Tick and his uncle. So when they sat down, the um, dad, which is, I don't really remember the dad's name because he was, he was short-lived. <laughs> so the dad was like, yeah, you know, saying his stuff. I dug up my spleen for dinner, eat. And they were like, oh, they're chomping down on his spleen and stuff. It was disgusting. And so Tick was like, don't eat that, uncle. The uncle was like, you ain't got to tell me, you know, black people. You ain't got to tell me that. We good. And so... um the dad, the uncle stood up and said, Hey, I read the bylaws and I know that my nephew is the reason why we're here. Cause he's a direct descendant of Titus Braithwood. So I'm going to let him speak. And then Tick stood up and he was like, I want everybody, but Tyler, I don't remember his name, like everybody, but you to get up and get the fuck out. And he looked like, what, who is this? You know, basically had a look on their face. Like who is this nigga telling us what to do type of thing. And then he was like, you heard me get the fuck out. And they looked at the other dude who was in charge and they was like, okay, I think it was like Christian. I don't, I don't remember his name. Cause I know the daughter's name is Christine. So I don't remember the dad's name, but he wanted everyone but the dad to leave. So long story short, everyone left. And then Tick was like, release my father so we could leave because I, you know, basically have direct descendant and power over you. I'm not staying here. I'm out. And so the dad was like, yo, you think you out? All right, go get your dad. I don't really know. It was, I'm just giving you like a paraphrasing and they went and they was able to get the dad, which was kind of weird because the way they was able to get the dad, like he really, he was in the tower, but he wasn't in the tower when they went to get him. And then it's like, he kind of dug his way out. But then when he came out at, in the grass, like the location is like the uncle's like his favorite book and quoted something. And he like knew the I don't know, geolo- geological locations of where the dad was going to pop out of the grass at. So it was like too much weirdness. Like it's, it's weird. There's a lot of questionable stuff, but I feel like, you know, some of my predictions is this, I predict like, um, definitely Montrose. And let me say his name, which is Tick's dad. As I'm going, all the characters names will come back to me. This is so terrible, but Montrose will definitely, um, come off as a character that knows more than he's telling I think that um, we'll see more of that because we've seen it already with like, that was just episode two. So long story short, they were able to make it out, but not without consequence. They got the dad. They tried to leave. 
Letty ended up getting shot in the process. The car they was driving crashed into a force field. So it was like right there on the edge of the border of the property. They couldn't leave once they crossed the bridge. And so when he crashed, they got out the car. They shot Letty, killed her. She died right in front of them. Then he shot the uncle. So two of them shot is just him and his father there. So then he was like, now you got to make a decision because you're going to do this ritual. So they take him back to the house now and they like, washing him down like five chicks are washing down taking preparing him like coming to america for his ritual for the night and you can see like letty's basically dead on the sofa and then you can see um the uncle and the dad is in there sick but before we before that actually let me backtrack a little bit because i'm kind of just giving you like all at once in a rush so before they actually started bathing him for the situation when they shot her she kind of like the the daughter, Christina, was talking to Tick. And he was like, why did you have to do that? Blah, blah, blah. You could save them. And she was like, you know, my dad's going to give bring them back to life. You don't got to worry about that. They'll come back to life. And then in the process of her saying that, Letty came back to life. But they were staying behind like this wall, almost like a police mirror where you're like a two-way mirror type of thing where she can see into the room, but they can't see them. So he's looking at them from this hallway with Christine or Christina. And then Letty in the room, is like resurrected. She comes back to life. And then um, George, which is the uncle, is on the bed bleeding out. He's dying. And Montrose, which is George's brother and Tick's father, is by his brother's side. So that's what's going on in the room. And Tick is in the hallway talking to Christina like, why are you, de- why are you doing this to me? Like, why you can't help me? Blah, blah, blah. And she was like, yo, if you do this, you're going to, he's going to let you go. Like, just do it. And he's not going to, he's going to bring, you know, her back to life. And if she came back to life in front of them, and then he was like, and he's going to do your uncle too. Like, he's not going to let your uncle die. So I guess him seeing Letty come back to life kind of made him be like, all right, I'm going to, you know, do whatever. So anyway, he tried, you know, they dress him up, wash him up, everything for this ritual. And Christina puts this ring on him. And she's like, all right, now you got to go downstairs, meet my dad and them. Boom, boom, boom. Do this ritual. When they get down there, it's like he's opening up some portals, like a whole bunch of men in robes. There's some weird, like like I said, if you watch those conspiracy theories on YouTube or whatever about Illuminati, this would make you feel like that's what one of their meetings would look like. That I'm just saying. <laughs> so that was going on. Next thing you know, he's in the middle on the like on the ground or whatever. They're like kind of around him in different stations, and. I don't know, like a force field opens up, like grass starts growing. And the whole goal is for the um, the ritual to get them to open a portal to the Garden of Eden. And when they get to the Garden of Eden, they'll be able to get like eternal life and basically defeat more, you know, mortality or whatever. And they'll be able to live forever type of thing. So that's what I'm gathering. So you see the grass growing and like the flowers so it makes you feel like okay he's about to go into the garden of eden or he's opening the portal for them you see like all these like lightning late ray lasers going through him like you know like something's happening like electrical situations going on something's happening then um next you know he sees like an ancestor there's no other way to describe like her clothes and everything was like little house in the prairie slash slavery you know and he's looking at her and she's like telling him like you know it's gonna be all right type of thing and she's like mouthing things to him or whatever and he's like looking at her next you know he just yells out a scream when he yells out a scream like all the men in there turned to stone and salt and just like started blown away and the place started crumbling down and like everything was just destroying so what happened was um she kind of let him out the slavery ghost ancestor (laughs) 
I don't mean to say it like that, but that's really what it was. And she let him out. And she had like a book in her hand and she was pregnant and she's running through the house. It was like flaming. And that shot was so dope because it's kind of like giving you a visual of like, you can see what happened with her. Her name is Hannah and she's the grandmother or the great, great, great grandmother that Titus Braithwood slept with and basically created the lineage, which comes down to Tick on his mother's side. And the father, because his mother's passed away, but his father's his remaining relative. So they basically kidnapped the dad to have Tick come up there. So that's the gist of how he ended up in this situation. So for him to see the lady that he's heard about so much, you know, throughout the first two episodes, because it's only like episode two right now. And then she leads him out of the house. And when he gets out, she's gone. And then the house just crumbles to the ground. But my thing is this, it was a couple of people there that um, weren't in the house. For example, all the people around the town, what happened to them? And my theory is if they are gargoyles or those things in the woods, they're going to come back, right? Because they weren't in the house when the house crumbled. Another thing, Christina cannot go to those meetings because it's men only. So where was she? She's definitely still around, you know what I'm saying? So she wasn't there. William, same thing. He's not part of the lineage per se. He's like Christina's homeboy. So he wasn't there for the ritual. So a lot of people survived. Like the house crumbled, the father crumbled, and his cronies crumbled in the house. But the townspeople that was around it, the town didn't die. You know, the town didn't crumble. So that left me to say, like, we're going to see them again. You know, still a few more episodes, so I feel like we'll see them again. So that's like episode two. Then episode three, um, mysteriously, like, so it just ends like that. Let me go there. It just ends like that, episode two. He runs out the house. It crumbles. Conveniently, Tick, I'm not, excuse me, conveniently, his father Montrose, Letty, and Uncle George was able to make it out of the house while it was crumbling because they started seeing it crumble while he was in the room, while he was down there destroying it with the um, ritual, so they was able to get out. Okay, so now they're in the car. He's running out. Letty sees him. Letty runs up to him. She's crying. It was weird. So it was like, you could tell it was a weird energy because at first he was just like, I'm happy you're safe. I'm happy y'all safe. And he's hugging her in that type of emotion. And she's like we're not done yet. Something else happened. Like that type of gesture. And you can see it on her face. And so when they walked to the car, they realized that uncle George was dead. And I was like, no, uncle George, like was deciphering codes. He was like reading the maps. Like he was knowing where to go. Like he was, to me, I felt like he was very vital to the adventure and the way that he just, you know, they just took him out abruptly in episode two makes me feel like he's not done yet. Like we're going to see uncle George again. That's how I feel. But, um, and just because it's like a um, sci-fi world, it's based off of like H.P. Lovecraft, who honestly, I don't want to give him any shine just because of the fact that he was an extreme racist and made, um, he said he loved gargoyles and vampires and animals, but the worst monster is a nigger, you know, so... I'm not going to show that any love. However, what I want to say, which brings me to another reason why I like the show so much is Jordan Peele took something that was a negative and turned it into a positive because before Jordan Peele, I want to say the author's name is Mike Ruff and forgive me if I'm wrong, but the guy who wrote the book in 2016 is called, you know, he reflipped it or he flipped HP Lovecraft's, you know, type of genre of horror and he made a story called Lovecraft Country, and he incorporated black characters into the book as the protagonists and the, you know, the heroes, because it's very rare that you see, and it's true, very rare that you see black people as the main character in a horror film. And I didn't really think about that until 
like for example, get out or, um, us or, um, you know, like we had like, I don't know, like vampire in Brooklyn, but it was like more like comical horrors, you know, that I remember growing up. But I th- I started to think about that. Like, you know, I, I, I want to shout out to like Mario Von Peoples because I remember he put out like one of the first black Western movies that I remember It escapes me right now, but that was big when it came out. Like and I was a kid back then, you know, but that was something that was big. And then to see black cowboys and then to know the history that there were black cowboys, that was like dope because he was able to use his genre and his, you know, skill to bring or fuse history together for the young people. You know what I'm saying? So for people that weren't familiar with, um, what he do or, you know, that of the history of cowboys and that there were black cowboys. It is Mexican cowboys. It's Indians that were cowboys, but they just show you the white cowboy, you know? So he did that for us back then. And I feel like Jordan Peele's doing that with horror now, because for example, um, just shout out to Jordan Peele as well, because he has get out, <laughs> get out's one of my favorite horrors. And still to this day, I like will watch it on demand and it freaking freaks me out because just the fact of the levels of it, the way he meshes reality and present day life with the, um, what if, or the conspiracy theories or the, you know what I'm saying? Just the scary, like, I couldn't believe if that would happen type of thing, you know? So HP love, well, excuse me, excuse me, let me retract that. Lovecraft country is doing the same thing for me as far as like, it's showing me like, wow, I, I don't really remember watch. I don't, first of all, I never heard of HP Lovecraft. So they did able, they were able to introduce me as a new watcher or new viewer to a different genre of horror that I'm kind of familiar with, but I didn't really know where it originated type of thing. And then to see it with black characters as the main heroes and protagonists and you know, figuring out like these Indiana Jones type of situations and figuring out like, you know, they're going through like Goonie type of situations and vampires type of situations. For example, brings me back to like True Blood. True Blood was a show that I loved and was dedicated from the first episode to the last episode, you know, and I can tell you basically anything in between about True Blood. And True Blood only had like Tara and Lafayette, you know, and then like Tara's mom, you know, and they were like the only three black characters that I could really truly remember were consistent on the show, you know? So I didn't not like the show because of that. You know, you don't really think about that because at the end of the day, we already know what it is. Like this is TV, you know what I'm saying? Like this is the norm. So it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I'm not, I don't like it. But True Blood gave you that vampire type of horror type of, you know, sexiness to it and in the adventures and the suspense it was good. So Lovecraft country does the same thing for me. It's like, it's to me probably even better. Cause like it's 2020, the CGI is crazy. Like it's probably even better than like true blood in my opinion, but true blood was great for what it was at the time when it was out. But Lovecraft countries, it's kind of doing the same thing. So anyway, let me get back to it real quick. Cause I don't want to be out here for 18 hours telling you about Lovecraft country, but it is my favorite show right now or a show that piques my interest right now. And yeah, I wanted to like break down my prediction. So let's get back into it. So I predicted one, which was, I think the townspeople are animals that Christina controls. Then episode three, Letty just gets this house out of nowhere. The house is haunted. 
Um, her family's broke. Like I said previously, her mother, um, excuse me, her sister and her brother didn't really get along with her. So she was always like looking for a place to stay or bumming money from them or bumming rides, you know, whatever the case may be. And, um, next thing you know, she comes across this inheritance from her mom, but they had to bury her mom. Like her sister's living in a shitty boarding house and her brother doesn't fuck with none of them on the other side of town because they had to come together and put like their last money together to bury their mother. And Letty didn't give any money and she didn't even come to the funeral, you know? And now you show up after the hard time is over and you're like smiling and jiving and you want us to give you money. So they, which is understandable. Like I'll be like, please, you know, get out of here. Like I would understand, you know, so I understand where the sister's coming from to some degree as well as the brother. So episode three, now she gets this house and she's like, you know what? Well, she gets this inheritance. She buys this house and she's like, I want my sister to move with me because I want to show her that I can make it up to her versus all the stuff that she's done for me. And so she moves her sister in and the house was haunted. Like she damn near got her head decapitated looking at the elevator shaft when she first, before they even moved in. So then it's an all white neighborhood and this is in the fifties. So you already know they call it a pioneering into white, white neighborhoods. That was the term back then, which, you know, those are key things. Sundown towns is something that's real that happened back then. And in some places today, it's kind of scary driving through and, um, pioneering into all white neighborhoods. It happened back then. And sometimes to this day, it's kind of true. You know, like even myself, like when we moved out to where I live at now, I live in like a semi kind of rural area, but you know, they do developments and they kind of, you know, so different people move in and I was like, Oh my God, we're moving out there. Well, you know, I'm worried, but I can't lie. I've interacted with so many people that you probably wouldn't think would interact with me or vice versa. And everyone's been cool. So I like where I live at. And I really do have faith in humanity. Like, I don't really feel like just because you're one race and I'm another race that we can't be neighbors and we can't be friends and we can't get along and we can't even have something in common. You'd be surprised how much you have in common with someone once you get to talk to them and get to know them, you know? So that's something I always say. And that's one thing I want to say to y'all out there, like, you know, just to, cause like I said, I ramble. So y'all here with me for the ride. But one thing I want to say to y'all is show love. You know what I'm saying? It's hard. It's like overtime work to hate in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if somebody pisses you off and you hate for a minute, like, you know what I'm saying? Me personally, I get a fucking headache. So I can't just be hating all night on people or just dwelling in the energy is negative. And it's, it's worse for you than actually the person you're thinking about, you know, because they're living their best life and you're festering in something, giving yourself a fucking aneurysm, God forbid. So show love. That's one thing I want to say about that. I'm rambling. But let me go back. So speaking of show love, Letty was trying to show her sister love. And she like, you know, got this um, house and then she started moving like in her friends or well, she said it was going to be boarding house where she was going to rent the rooms out. But it eventually turned into what you could see was like a party house where she moved in like her homegirls, her homeboys, poets, actors, activists, like people in that time that was like down with her movement and like she was an artsy type of person and she sung, her sister sang, so she moved in like dancers and singers and writers. One guy moved in there, which is like, and that's another thing I like about it, which brings me to something else, why I love this show. And I say it gives you history. And even if it's like not 100% factual on the nose or whatever the case may be, it makes you research 
what they're talking about. And you might learn something because I swear to you, every episode they say something and I'm, I swear I'm Googling like, is this true? Did that happen? And I learned something new. So, um, one dude moved in and he was walking in with his dog and she was like, James. And she hugged him up and then she was like, what's the dog's name? And he was like, Baldwin. So I was like, oh, so it's like they're saying like they're having characters, you know, from real life in those times that um, they're putting in the show. And if anybody knows or remembers, you know, which you should, but if not, look it up. But James Baldwin is like a prolific author from those days that he was like very outspoken, um, you know, very, you know, he was just rare in a time where conservative being conservative was at the top of the list you know he was like outspoken black man I believe he was gay he um wrote books he was you know just not afraid to say his um what he was on his mind or live his truth he was just not afraid so after a while he you know I guess I don't really know all the history to like go and break him down but he ended up moving to like Paris if I'm not mistaken and like living out there and creating some of his best work out there and to me, I thought that was just so dope because imagine being in a time where like you can't even drive from Chicago to Boston, right? Without fear of being lynched. <laughs> and, but the dude thought bigger than that. And he ended up moving from there to Paris, France and living a full life. You know what I'm saying? So stuff like that is what I love. So that's a character that they mentioned in the book to kind of give you like a sense of the time frame. And I'm like, okay, that's, I guess it's like a James Baldwin character. And then later on in the evening, the lady has like a housewoman party and in the basement, the kids are playing with the Ouija board, which I'm like, I don't know anyhow, like I'm not going to just move into a house and it has Ouija boards in the basement and I'm cool like with it like that. But anyway, so the kids are down there, they're doing like some Ouija shit. One of the little boys, literally, if you freeze frame him, and put him next to Emmett Till's picture. He's wearing the same outfit as the picture that we all come to know as Emmett Till. The same tie, everything. And so it's said that his nickname, well, the character's name is Bobo. And they say that that was Emmett Till's nickname, was Bobo. And that he was from, I believe, the south side of Chicago. And he went to see family in the south on vacation. So this episode, they're in the basement, you know, ladies house, they're partying, all the people, adults upstairs, you know, the sisters playing with the live band, they're dancing, serving drinks, etc. The kids are in the basement playing with a Ouija board and the little boy asks the Ouija board, hey, is my trip going to be fun? And the Ouija board told him no. And then, you know, they asked the next little kid, like, and the little kid was just like, kind of, you know, you, you can see like the little, like, I probably would have been the little boy that went next. Cause he was like, um, who am I talking to? Like, what is this? And he questioned the board, like, who are you? And it said, it spelled out like George is dead, which is Diane's father, which is uncle George, which he is dead from the episode before. So she was like, this is not funny. Why would you do that? Cause you know, they know all the kids know her dad just died. And the kids was like, it was moving by itself, blah, blah, blah. She left out. And that was never spoke about again or revisited. But I just thought that was another prolific episode or scene for two reasons, because it gave you a little bit of history, visual history, but then it made it deep because it was like saying like meshing once again, the real world with this fantasy sci-fi world that, um, Lovecraft country is. And in Chicago or whatever, they have like the realism of 
you know, James Baldwin is a character loosely, a friend of Letty's and Diane's friend is Emmett Teal and they're in the basement, you know, so it gives you, and it's also kind of like an eeriness as well too, but it's like, wow, that's deep. So, um, a little bit later on in the party still, like people just conversation, ladies walking around pouring drinks and somebody says, um, Oh, did you hear about that new activist that they, that's in Atlanta now? He's doing something big. And it was like, Oh, you talking about Michael? And he was like, no, that he's going by Martin now. And it was like, yeah, but he, he messed, he marrying a white girl. And it was like, no, they made him marry a colored woman last year. And it was like, oh, and then lady poured drinks and, you know, she's air hustling. And she said, well, it, you know, just because he married to a white woman doesn't mean he can't support the black people. And she was like, I'm just saying. And they walked away. So I, you know, as a, a child, Martin Luther King, we all know he's a very prolific reverend. What I remember and learned, just what I was taught, is that he was a reverend. He was, you know, a pastor. He was an activist in his community. Now, this stuff is allegedly, I'm not ever going to say or speak anything bad about nobody or say this is true per se or whatever the case may be. But, you know, you always hear slander. And I never pay attention to it because, you know, I don't want no one listening to slander about me without being able to confirm it with me. So, allegedly, they said that he was. I used to always hear that, like, you know, from time to time, in college, you know, people with conspiracy theories just telling you, like, you know, the black power, black power, people that always want to break down some other stuff. I always heard that from time to time that he actually was, you know, in love with a white woman and et cetera. And, you know, before the image, things change. So I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, I don't see it because I, you know, what I was taught and everything. So that's allegedly, and I would never say that I believe that or anything. I'm just saying allegedly. But to me, I just thought it was ironic or I thought it was interesting that they mentioned that in the episode. Now, once again, it could just be like folklore or something or like stuff that you've heard over the years. So it was good to add to the script or whatever. But it also was real because it was just in the same way that was a scene was shot like. Oh, I heard this. I heard that. That's literally like how, like, say I was in college and you like people are talking about black history or whatever. And that was said like in that type of capacity. Like, well, I heard this and I heard that, you know, and I was like, oh, please. And, you know, you just brush it off because you're like Martin Luther King is Martin Luther King. Come on out. Get your life right. You know, what I'm saying? how would you try to say that about him? But people are human, right? We're all human and we all have life and you love who you love. I mean, I'm not going to say he did it or not. I don't know. But I thought that was interesting. Once again, that's how deep Lovecraft Country goes. Like, that's why I say you have to watch this show a few times, you know what I'm saying? Like it's six episodes. You probably have to watch each episode about, you know, three times to really catch everything that's going on in the episode because they throw a lot at you quick. Another thing I want to say is they throw good music in there too. They definitely use time appropriate music. Like they have this sister who she sings and she's like, um, you know, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, she's totally in the moment. Like, she gives me, like, Billie Holiday. That's what I was going to say. Like, that type of, like, flower in the hair, busty, beautiful black woman singing her heart out. And she's a great entertainer. And that's her sister, Ruby, Ruby Baptiste. That's Letty's sister that they don't really, first of all, I said, how are they sisters? Because they don't look alike. And I know you can have relatives and brothers and sisters where one's light skin extremely and one's dark, different dads. You know, I have family members like that, you know, like same mother, different fathers, and it shows, you know? So, but I said, um, the extreme 
and the difference makes me feel like Letty's father might be white. So that leads me into prediction number three. My prediction number three is that I feel like Letty's father has something to do with this whole Titus Braithwood thing as well. Because why, first of all, let me go back. And I'm going to kill that, you know, if you didn't watch it or whatever. But we all know by now that Letty did not get an inheritance from her mother. It was actually Christina who gave her the inheritance for the house. And then she had to go through bullshit with the house. Like the neighbors was racist. So they like tying bricks to the horn and torturing them with noise and busting up the heater. And, you know, just doing some weird stuff that, you know, they would do to people in those times that were pioneering into white neighborhoods. So they put that realism in there. And then you had the ghost inside the house who was, she was battling with this weird, freaky, like, um, mad scientist shit that the dude was doing in the house. So the people that he was killing in the house, their ghosts, their souls were trapped in there. That reminds me of like American Horror Story. You know, like that one episode, that one season where the house was like consuming everyone and then their ghost was in the house and like no one could leave because the dude who owned the house was like some crazy dude and torturing him. So it was kind of like that energy from that episode. But she was able to, you know, save the house and, you know, defeat the white neighbors and still live there and still be, you know, was comfortable at this point. So the whole thing is my prediction is why would Christina do that? Like, Think about it just to get to take, because technically at this point still, like even at the beginning of the episode, or or excuse me, at the end of the episode, Tick was like packing his bag. He had his bag and he was like, I'm going to kill this bitch, Christina, because I already know that she got this house for letting try to do some fuck shit. So I'm going to kill her. And then I'm going back to Florida. Like he, every episode, Tick's whole goal is to get back to Florida. I don't know what's in Florida, who's in Florida, or what's going on down there. But he's like, I got to get out of here. I can't stay here. So he's always trying to, like, finish up business, make sure his family is safe, but get out. But he, he can't go. So my thing is this. He's not even really, at this point anyway in time, he wasn't really vested in Letty like that for you to say, like, oh, this is going to work. Like, I'm going to get her this house, and this is going to make Tick stay. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I think there's a little bit more to that. I could be wrong, but that's one of my predictions. One of my predictions is that um, they don't have, they emphasize that, that, you know, um, Ruby and the brother has the same father. I think his name is Marvin. And Letty has a different father. They emphasize that. Ruby emphasized that. Like, she's like, you don't even use mom's last name. You don't even look like mom. You don't even, you know, but you act just like mom. So they emphasize it so much to make you think like, well, damn, she must look like her father and who is her father and where is he? And do she know who he is? You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's going to come out in, um, later episodes. I could be wrong, but I think that's, what's going to happen with that. My other prediction. So I said, so far, I said the monster people from episode one, they're going to come back because they're controlled by Christina. I feel like that town still exists. And during the day, they're people. And at night, they turn into monsters. I feel like Montrose know something I feel like he kind of sold his soul you know what I'm saying if that makes any sense because as we found out last week Montrose is gay and um he's clearly hiding that from his son Tick and he's hiding that from family because you know just a couple of things like going back I watched again and the f- uncle when he was on his deathbed Uncle George, and he was kind of like trying to make amends with his brother. And he was like, you know, I, I never did this, and I should have did this for you. And, you know, why you stop drawing? And, you know, you were so good. You should go draw with D, which is his daughter. Like, you you know, like basically trying to say, like, I'm dying, and I'm going to need for you to step up and take care of my family and be nice to your son type of thing, just my translation. And he said to him, like, why you stop drawing? 
And Montrose was like, oh, because dad, that dad's right hook. And he was like, used to always make those colorful signs and go down to the um, baseball field and say, you know, welcome the, the trainers coming in to train. And he was like, um, you don't know what you're talking about. And I kind of brush it off. So I think that's going to circle back around and that's going to bring me to two more predictions. The first one is that I think that the dad was probably sleeping with one of those baseball players back then because he was like a teenager in high school and I think he probably had a boy crush on one of the baseball players and the dad found out and beat the shit out of him. Or he said the dad found them at the station. So maybe the dad found them kissing the boy or something and beat the shit out of him. So I think we're going to find out a little bit more about that. And then it's one thing that um very first opening scene from the episode, Tick was dreaming and it's like he's in the the war I think it's like the Korean war or something and then or Vietnam or something and then um aliens start coming out the blue and he has this alien Asian chick and she's like speaking to him in a different language and then he turns around and the alien's gonna get him or some big site I don't know octopus is gonna get him and then like a Jackie Robinson type of dude comes up and beats him with a baseball bat and like I got you kid so I was like that's that's a weird dream to have and he wakes up you know, so that was like the very first opening scene of the episode. So to me, I feel like that was significant. So to bring me to another prediction, because later on in the episodes, you realize that he said he dreams about that like he was there because Uncle George told him the story so many times of how when I guess his dad and his uncle were younger, they were being attacked by some white men. And a base, a, a black man with the baseball bat came up and was dressed in like a baseball outfit like Jackie Robinson and knocked them all out like knocked all the white guys out and then turned to the kids and said I got you kid and then just disappeared and so he was like they always talk about that story so one of my predictions is if it's some type of time traveling thing I think that might end up being tick that was the dude in the baseball outfit that saved the father when he was a kid so listen to this twisted theory and this is just a theory but I feel like um tick went into some type of vortex time travel and had to save his dad and his uncle in order for him to be here. Like if they would have got killed type of thing, of course, Tick wouldn't have been here to be, you know, doing what he's doing. Like he's definitely a powerful character. So something's going to happen where he's going to realize and translate the spells or get some pages and translate because he did get the pages and something happened. Like the dad tried to burn him. Like that's why I feel like the dad knows more than what he's leading on to. You know, so I don't know what it is that's going to be twisted because, you know, I, I, I'm going to share a few. I'm going to share a few more of my theories, but I hope that, you know, we're going to come back and reconvene and see. But another one of them is that is really still centers around the time travel or some type of vortex where he's able to go into different places and he's going to go back in time. And when those white men were surrounding his dad and the uncle, for some weird reason, he shows up in a baseball or with a baseball bat in a baseball suit. I don't know. But I feel like it's Tick that went back and saved them. And then it's going to come back to the future. And that's why he dreams about it like he was there. Because that was very key and you know, very telling. When he was like, I dream about it like I was there. I heard the story so much. And, and that was the opening scene. So I'm like, I don't know how that's going to come back around. So, and I hope that it doesn't tie in to that being the guy that was visiting when he was training and maybe had a crush on him and the dad beat him and it was time traveling tick or something that would be so freaking crazy. So I, that we're going to scratch that one from the list because, um, Mancho shocked me this last week. So I won't, you know, it wasn't a bad episode. It was a hell of a good episode. I'm not going to say anything about that, but 
I don't know, like, for example, the actor, Michael K. White, he played Omar from The Wire, so he doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> so, for, but it's like, it was so telling and obvious when Tree in the previous episode, like, oh, yeah, you know, your dad hangs out with Sammy. Sammy's gay. You know, I'm just trying to let you know your dad is a sissy or whatever. And he was like, no, he's not. Like, he just brushed it off. But to me, I felt like that was just so blatant. Like, it must not be true because it was so brushed off. And, you know, the dad didn't really... I don't know. He was, I'm not going to say that he didn't give the vibe off or whatever the case may be, because sometimes, you know, when you're pent up and you're not living your truth, you can kind of be aggressive and angry. So I can see, I can understand that in him maybe, but, um, I don't know. I, I think what shocked me was the aggression that he had towards his lover. Like if this is the person that you go to when you're down and you're feeling bad, like why are you so rough with them? You know? So I think that's what shocked me. Not the act of the sex. Like, you know, it's still like you love who you love. I don't care about that. And I actually thought it was touching that when throughout it all, even throughout the rough sex or whatever, the partner still remained soft to him and like, receptive and understanding and caring, you know, and they just had like a communication without words to let you know that it's true feelings there. So I did like the art of that, but it just shocked me like, damn, why are you so angry and aggressive Montrose, that type of stuff, you know? But, um, that also lets, you know, it's kind of just leaves you open up to think like something's happened because he's, it's something because for example, he's having he has a relationship and his like for example when he goes over and hangs out with sammy he goes to sammy's ball and they all dress up all of sammy's friends know him you know and kind of know like this has been his friend for some time and he doesn't really speak when he comes around but they know him so to some degree he's getting comfortable and he's opening up into himself but it's something else there that he's holding back or he's scared will get out you know what i'm saying so that's the part that makes me feel like it has something to do with tick and then, like, you know, it kind of makes you, they lead up to make it seem like the Uncle George is really the father of Tick. And then he's, you know, is like, the way he was in the mansion, some sorcery stuff happened. He, f- he came to the conclusion, like, yeah, I don't want to give too much away because I'm not really a spoiler alert. Like, I'm not going to go through blow by blow. I'm trying to give you, like, all of what I've seen thus far in one and just throw my predictions in there and then we come back and see. But um, long story short, he said to him on his deathbed to his brother Montrose, hey, I think that I am Tick's father. And he like broke the glass and was damn near gonna cut his brother on the deathbed. It was like, listen, we talked about that already. That's my son. Don't be telling me nothing about my son no more. And he was so aggressive with that. And at first when he cut the glass and everything, I thought he was gonna be like, what you mean you my son? Like I thought it was gonna be like a different approach. Like he's gonna kill his brother for fucking his girl type of thing. But it was more like I'm keeping him. He's my son, you know, like, so then when you come back to now know that he is gay, it makes you feel like maybe he do, maybe he might be uncle George's son for real. And maybe that was like part of the way to keep his character, keep his, you know, sexuality a secret. Because in those times, a black gay man, you might as well just hang it up. They, they killing us for anything out there, you know? So being gay, that's even worse. And so, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's something else there. I I think that's definitely a burden on him, but because he has Sammy there and he has a way to release as regardless of how aggressive it is, I feel like it's something else there. I feel like, um, it's something with tick and it's definitely right now. So obvious on the front level, like, Oh yeah, they don't have a good father son relationship, but I think it's something else. I feel like this dude traveled back in time and something happened. And I don't know, maybe he didn't per se fall, you know, have nothing to, 
sexual. I hope not anyway, but his daddy. But I feel like he was the one that saved him when he was a little boy. And to come to find out in some weird way, Montrose knows. So I think that's what it is. That's my prediction on that. So that's one of my biggest. I could be wrong, but I don't know why that one keeps on coming back. All the theories I try to play out, I'm like, for some reason, I think with Montrose and him, that's going to come back because that story's um, significant. He dreams about it. He says Uncle George told him about it. And then when Tick, um, excuse me, when Montrose was like drunk and, you know, like in a drunken stupor, he threw cold water on him. And before he threw cold water on him, he said, I got you, kid, and threw the water on him and woke his dad up. So I was just saying, like, that's a little interesting to keep on, you know, dwelling on that or keep on reminding you of that without it coming to a full circle and telling you what that means, you know? So that's some of my predictions there. Uh, yeah, we're kind of at an hour here. Wow. Anyway, so I don't want to like, you know, that's, that's my overall, you know, like, and trust me, believe I didn't even really give you nothing else in detail. Like as far as like Ruby Batiste, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's gonna be like a whole nother hour. It's like this show is so freaking good that you will get lost in just talking about it. You'll just get lost and caught up in it. So I don't really want to do that. I just wanted to give you some of my predictions that I see. Oh, well, I will say this. I do have a prediction about Ruby Batiste as well. Ruby is Letty's sister. Like I was telling you about earlier, they don't look alike. They don't really get along. And they kind of fell out when she thought that Ruby got this money as an inheritance from her mom, blah, blah, blah. So she's obsessed with like trying to work at this department store Marshall Field, which is so funny because Marshall Field was like kind of like Macy's was to like my mom and them, <laughs> you know, so like big, like, oh, we're going to go to 34th Street to Macy's, you know, like back in the 50s to those people, Marshall Fields was that type of department store. And it's so funny because literally what we know now is Marshall's, the outlet store. Yeah, that's what's left of Marshall Fields. But anyway, in the show, Ruby Batiste is obsessed and she's a beautiful singer you know, and she rocks the stage and commands a room, but she wants to work at the damn Marshalls and be like a sales lady. And they keep on turning her down, obviously, because she's black. Then she's like, I'm gonna go today. I'm gonna go today. And she got her confidence up and she went down there and she saw a black girl was hired. So she was devastated. She, you know, went to the bar, like singing her heart out, drinking, getting drunk. And a whole bunch of stuff happened where she met William. William, which I said at the beginning of this episode, is Christina's friend, her homie, her homeboy. And remember, Christina is the sorcery girl, the sorcery guy's daughter. And she's the one that controls the werewolf people, I think. Um, she does a lot of questionable stuff. And you come to come to you come to see that she has a lot of power. Then she's also the one that gave Letty the house. So she plays she's playing, she's in every one of these episodes, like stirring the pot, you know. But William is her close homie and you never see them together, but they look alike in a weird way. Like they could be twins or something, in my opinion. So William, like one night she comes home and the police are like following her or whatever. Christina, she goes into the house. William comes out and he's like, beats the shit out the cops. And he's like, Christina doesn't like to be followed. Please stop following my friend. And now I have to go. I have a date. And he beat the shit out the cops. And then he goes to the bar where Ruby's at. Now, mind you, William and Christina are white, if I didn't say that. And Ruby and Letty and Tick and all of them are black. And Tick, like I said, you know, the slave master slept with the slave. And that's how his lineage came about on his mom's side of the family. So in a weird way, Christina's his cousin, if that makes any sense. 
So Christina now has her homeboy, William. And she's basically in a pursuit. I think ultimately she's trying to get the pages and do whatever she's trying to do to become the most powerful person. And I think she's her, her whole pursuit is to do that because women can't do it. There's no women allowed into the club. So if she can overtake that and take control, I think that's like a, a her power trip. Like that's her goal, you know. And I think Williams did help her. But come to find out, William is definitely there to help her because he goes and he meets Ruby at the bar. He buys her drinks. He gets her nice and toasty. Then he brings her back to the mansion and bang cock. He like bangs her out like on the step, like Slayville on the steps. And you're like, okay, so where is this going? Like, okay, William, like, like the black girl. Okay. Okay. And then next episode, Ruby wakes up. She's a white woman. Oh my gosh. She, he turned her into a white woman. Yes. So I'm not going to, that's all I'm going to tell you about Ruby Baptiste. Okay. But cause you, I really would like y'all to watch it. So that way we can kind of reconvene together and then you can kind of leave it in the comments or even hit me up. You know, my Instagram, it is clean eat wings. It's also gongly MC, or you can just comment here on this podcast right here in the comments, wherever I'm streaming, I'm definitely going to be on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you see me at, you know, respond or youtube leave the comments i'm gonna check all of them and then we're gonna reconvene and i want to like see if any of the predictions that i said in this episode are true and i want to see if any of your predictions that you've come to decide upon are true and see where we land at in the middle so that'd be a pretty dope um ideal so but what i will say about ruby my prediction for her before i go i think because now that she has the ability to go back and forth between a black woman and a white woman with no problem and she knows how to fully like appreciate it because you have to see the episode to see what I'm talking about at first it was like jarring for her like what the hell woke up like that then to first transition was like crazy it was like a gory craziness when she was going from white to black like going back to herself and then you see like all oh, the perks of her living the life. It's a deep episode, but I also encourage people to watch it because for example, if you're like a black person and you watch this episode, this, the poetry that's playing over it, which is like, um, for color girls, you know, is it's a long title, you know it. And Tyler Perry did a play for color girls only on it about it. But when a rainbow isn't enough for color girls thinking about suicide when the rainbow isn't enough. I think that's it. I hope I got it. But it's so powerful. And God bless her. The um, author of the poem and the play, you know, passed away like last year. And she was like, if you just like, you know, look up the works of that and you just see the power behind that. And as a black woman, when I've come across that play and that poem and then actually the movie, um, for color girls only, it was, it did something to me. Like it really was so impactful, so relatable, all the characters. And I saw myself in a little bit of each of those characters, you know? So that energy and to have that feeling from that experience, you know, of watching, those type of movies and experiencing that play and experiencing that poem. Then you see that poem playing as Ruby is enjoying her day as a white woman. You know, it kind of, to me as a black woman, it resonates the difference between the two. And then it also kind of made me feel like, um, 
wow, we do be missing out on a lot, don't we? Like, you know, it's just like you have to see it, you know? And then at the same time, it also made me feel like, you know what? I have days like this. I've been places and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to paint it. Like, no, no, I'm going to take care of that for you. I've had days where people, you know, treated me to things just randomly and strange were nice, you know, present day. So I don't really feel like it was so far off, but then it made you think that time was definitely more impactful. And then to watch that and then to hear that poem playing over it, which is like for more recent times than that. That was crazy. Like, you know, so it was powerful. So I think that power trip and that, you know, emotion that it drove in Ruby, I think we're going to see her alter ego, Hillary Davenport more. And I think that, um, so for example, I think that, um, she's going to become an ally for Christina because it's going to be easy for her because like her and her sister don't really get along. She love her, but she gets on her nerves. And then even though Christina kind of was deceitful at the beginning of their quote unquote friendship. And I'll leave it at that. Cause I will really put like a whole bunch of spoilers out there. You can go on YouTube and literally find anyone doing a review and they're going to give you the whole breakdown. I don't want to do that. Like I'm not really trying to, I'm trying to share some of the stuff that I like and I think it's cool about the show. And then hopefully that would drive or pique your interest to go check out the show. That's my goal ultimately is not really per se to say like this is each episode each clip because trust and believe I did a a glimpse over over everything of like six episodes in an hour so just to let you know I didn't do I missed a lot you know is what I'm trying to say so and I did it on purpose because I'm just kind of giving you some good interesting pieces that hopefully you'll be like what what that ha-? Uh, if you so if you're not watching the show you'll be like I'm gonna go watch this show because that sounds interesting and I'm telling you it's a really good show but I feel like um yeah I feel like Ruby's going to be an ally with Christina and um even though it was deceitful at the beginning I feel like the um feeling and the emotion and the support in a weird way quote unquote support that Christina was able to provide for Ruby is what's going to have her become an ally. So we'll see. Cause you know, it could be, she like, you know what? You deceived me. Like F you bitch. I'm out, you know, or she could be like, wait a minute. So this was you the whole time. And I, you know, I might like that, you know, it just can go either way. Cause this show can go either way. So I'm going to leave it about there. But before I go, let me see if there's anything else I wanted to go over. First of all, I just really want to say it again. Well, not first of all, but once again, I want to say thank you all for tuning in to She Can Talk. Because as you can see, I'm talking. I could definitely talk. And it feels good to know that you guys are out there listening. And I'm not just doing this to the air. You know what I'm saying? So I really feel comfortable. Like, I feel like when I am speaking with you all, like, you get me, you know? And so I want you to interact, like hit me up, hit me up on the gram or whatever like that. And if you checked out the music, cause a lot of people have hit me up and said, Oh, you know, I checked out the music from La Esmeralda just off of the story and the fact of the breakdown, the creative process, that was pretty dope. So I appreciate that, you know? So, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't want to cough into the mic there, but you know what I'm saying? Like if you, um, like the music that was pretty dope I appreciate that and I'm going to be doing some more stuff so like I said I'm going to have some more stuff coming some more visuals so right now you get to hear me but we're going to have some visuals coming more music coming like you know that's going to be cool um I think next week I might give a story about me and um might recap some creative process in some way or sorts who knows I don't know I'm gonna work it out for you all 
but I'm so hyped that I was able to get an hour in. Another thing, oh my God, I can go on. It's probably going to be two hours messing around with me. I'm not going to do two hours, guys. I'm not. But another thing I wanted to mention about <laughs> the episode is the song. I told you throughout it, it played like really good music, some time appropriate music, but then they'll throw in like some Cardi B, bloody, um, well, Bodak Yellow, but you know, like these are bloody shoes. It was like very appropriate where <laughs> they threw that in at. They'll throw in like just every time, like if it was a hip hop song or if it's like a, soulful song like they you know they they'll throw it in a song like frank ocean like and it'll be appropriate for the scene so like whoever like kudos to whoever's on music production because that is they're doing a good job there so i definitely appreciate that as a musician that aspect of it but in addition to it the closing song the closing song is called cinnamon and it's a song that was originally performed by um nina simone and the original's dope, but the remix or the remake, I should say, because it's really not a remix. It's like a remake. It's amazing. And it's just like the energy of the vocals. I think her name is Alice Smith. I think that's the actual singer of the remake. Her vocals are so amazing on this song. And it's just like, shit, I need to watch this episode again. And it is like, I hate to hear this song because, you know, the episode is over. But it's like, oh, my God. When you hear it, you're like, yo, this it's a perfect song for everything that went down in the episode. So, you know, even down to the closing music, they like really did their thing with the way they put everything together. Not one thing yet has made me feel like, nah, this is cheese or it's, or it's, I'm losing my attention. It's losing my attention or whatever. No, episode, every episode has been pretty impressive. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's, that's good. So what I'm going to do, because I mentioned Cinnamon, Alice Smith, shout out. I think I'm going to close the show out with that song. Be just like, you know, Ode to Lovecraft. You know, I gave you my Lovecraft theories tonight and predictions. I think I'm going to, yeah, we're going to reconvene. So I might do a recap episode and I might go back through this and see what predictions I made, take notes, and then do a recap episode once it's done just to see how far off I was or how far on target I was. So that's going to be a little challenge for myself. But um, I want you all to... Leave some comments. Leave your predictions in the comments and let me know what you think. Watch the episode. Trust me and believe me, you will not be disappointed watching this show. Even if you don't even like really like scary movies, like, oh, I don't want it to scary, gory. It's, you know, it's going to be some gore there. I'm not going to lie to you and say it's not. But it's kind of like if you grew up in the 80s or the 90s and you were exposed to horror flicks back then, you'll be all right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is not like... I know what you did last summer horror. No, this is like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, you know, Jason with the chainsaw, you know, type horror. So, yeah, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. But it's not scary like you're going to dream, you know, dream, go to sleep and dream about it or whatever. No, it's not like that. So I think you'll like it. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to close out my show today just like. Lovecraft. I'm going to play Cinnamon so that way, just a little bit, so that way you can kind of get the feel of it. And um, if there, I wonder if I'm going to look myself and see if they have like a playlist or, you know, something with the songs that's on the show. Like P Valley did that, and that was so dope. That's another thing why I just love P Valley, and I'm stalking it. I'm like, I want to send music of my own out there to license. So I'm just putting that in the air. Speak positivity and fruition because I'm already stalking Katori in a good way. I love you. I just want to send music. 
And so um, I just like the way she works. Like she um, really could tell she's a music person in addition to like her playwright. And I don't mean to go into a P-Valley moment, but I love her too. But I like the fact that they had a playlist. Like every week, every episode, they basically added the songs that was in an episode to their playlist on Spotify. So you can just listen to it. And literally it just makes you feel like you're watching the episode again, because they did such a great job with placing the songs, you know, for the right scene. So it was impactful. Like the song was impactful for the scene. And I think that they do the same thing, a great job at Lovecraft with doing the same thing. So I'm going to look and see if they have a playlist. I'm sleeping. I'm like six episodes in, I should see if they have a playlist and, and jam out to it too because like i said it's it's a variety of music but you can appreciate it just like the show it's like a time piece but not really a time piece so you can appreciate it you know but um that's it for me guys i'm gonna go ahead and wind it down <laughs> yeah um yeah i got like a little drink right here i haven't even drunk it i've just been sitting here talking to you guys i, f- I feel good but now I'm going to go ahead and join me a little drink, have a little evening nightcap or whatever you want to call it. If you're listening to it in the morning, then it'll be, you know, it's, 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 it's evening and happy hour somewhere. I'll put it like that. So I'll be able to be appropriately drinking by the time you're listening to this episode. Anyway, I'm going to close it out. You guys stay blessed, stay safe, you know, wash your hands, you know, six feet, respect that distance. And sometimes even if you feel like, oh, I don't want to wear a mask F this shit, just think about you know, you don't want to catch nothing that might harm you. So why risk it? That's what I say. But, um, at the end of every episode, this is going to be my motto. Go ahead and please check it out. Like subscribe, hit the follow button. It is. She can talk the podcast with your host, Colleen, AKA gongly MC on Instagram. If you want to check out my food, that's Colleen eat wings on Instagram. And, um, once again, anywhere that pod, um, podcast or streaming you can find she can talk radio if you like it tell a friend if you don't like it tell a friend it can't hurt either way okay and spread love but first of all before you do so love yourself because you can't love me if you don't love yourself all right all right y'all stay good peace oh cinnamon we ain't gonna run to cinnamon we ain't gonna run to Man, where you gonna run to on that day? I run to.